And um, they, uh, they had a, some lads turn up for um, to audition to see if they could get a contract with Decker, who was a big recording company. And um, they played their music, and afterwards, Decker Recording Company says, we don't like their style, and guitar music is on the way out. Now, this was in 1962. Unfortunately, the Beatles <laughs> went on to sell millions and millions of records because those young lads from, from uh, the British Isles were uh, incredibly big, weren't they? And uh, I can imagine Decker... Uh, whoever kind of uh, rejected them lost their, his job or her job as well. They went on to do amazing things. See, see, they couldn't see beyond. They couldn't see the future. They couldn't see there was an increase. There was more to be had. Um, uh, everything. There's another, one more. There was a statement released in 1899 that just blows me away. 1890. This is over 110 years ago. 1899 by, a US, by the U.S. Patent Company or office. You know what the patent is? This is where they, they, um, they give the tick to those new inventions and say, you know, if you, if you register it with us, no one else can take your invention. So the U.S. Patent Office said in 1899 this. Everything that's been invented already has been invented. And if we listened to those guys, we wouldn't have lighting this morning. In actual fact, you don't, I noticed. <laughs> what happened over there? Did starting to smell? Oh, it's okay. The bugs will burn off. Just... Anyway, if we listened to those guys, we wouldn't have lights today. Because the light bulb was invented after 1899. So, you know, it's an interesting world. We have this, on one hand, we have a world that is pressing forward and, 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 and you know, um, inventing new things and pressing into new endeavors in the world and going to new places. And yet, part of the world, part of it um, has been in a history. And in actual fact, it's not just in history, it's throughout our time. If you looked hard enough, you'll find people today who will say, well, you know, they've got more of a negative response to this world than a positive. They'll, they'll be like, um, you know, Mr. Thomas Watson from IBM and say, well, you know, not much more. We can't do much more. We've gone as far as we can. And so there's sides that, are, that can't see the future and there's people who can see the future. I want to say which side do you stand on this morning? Because I see that I have a heavenly father that is continually pressing me to go further, to do more and to have increase in my life. There is a heavenly father behind me in my faith in actual fact, of all the belief systems in the world, Christianity is the one that continues. We have a God that says, you know, there is more. There is more that I have, and there's increase that I want to bring into your life. Increase. I love it. You know, I was just reading some of the verses in the Bible in Isaiah 9-7. It says this, of the increase, talking about prophesying about Jesus, thousands of years before Jesus came, in Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Is there any verses up there? Yeah, thanks, Dorothy. Of the increase of his... There it is. Of the increase of his government and peace. In other words, the increase of his authority in the increase of his peace. Can you just grasp this for a moment? Jesus is going to be an increasing authority upon the earth. He's going to bring an increasing peace upon the earth. Just wait a second. You say, well, we live in almost turmoil. This world is in turmoil. There's, you know, there's um, wars all over this world. There's threatens of a third world war. There's all these things happening. No, no, no. Jesus is talking about the peace within the hearts of individuals. Who knows you can't take that peace away? 
when you're in God. So Jesus, there's going to be an increasing authority he's going to have on this earth. You might say, really? Is Jesus going to continue to see the, the, the church of the living God rise up? Is, is there more people going to come to Christ? More and more and more? Absolutely. Did you know in Iran at the moment, there is, there is absolute revival breaking out? The reports out of Iran and the pictures that we see out of Iran is that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Muslims are coming to Jesus and meeting in secret churches because of the persecution. Hundreds, maybe thousands. Isn't that amazing? His kingdom is increasing. His authority is increasing across the earth like never before, church. Just because we, don't, we want to see it in Australia, but I tell you, across the earth, it's happening. People are coming more and more to Jesus. It, it, this is true. And the peace that people have in their hearts is increasing. He wants to increase his peace in your life. He wants to increase his influence in your life. Um, from the beginning of time, God has set in place that there would be a continual increase in the world. Genesis 1.28, he says, Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and what? Multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. He said that to Adam and Eve, the very first book of the very first chapter of the Bible. And God says, be fruitful and multiply. Guess what? The promise and the command hasn't changed because even after the flood of Noah and humanity was wiped out except for Noah and his sons and their wives, God reinstated the promise in Genesis 9.1. He says, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He didn't, you know what, if God, was, God says today, it's the, still the same plan, be fruitful and multiply, increase. We've got a great God, haven't we? He's, he doesn't want us to wilt and dry up, he wants us to increase. He wants us to increase. God has said there's an ever-increasing provision for you and for me today. Ever-increasing provision. Look at Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I ask myself the question in relation to this verse, how much is how much more? How much is how much more? Guess what? I don't know. All I know is I've never been able to outgive him. Never been able to say, God, I think I've given you too much today of my life or whatever it may be, finance or whatever. I've given too much. No, it's never too much. All I can say, it's ever increasing. It's ever increasing. Romans 5.20 says, uh, the second part of the verse says, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Look at the second part. Sin increases, grace increases. God has an ever increasing amount of grace for us. You might say, well, will there ever be a time when I do the wrong thing in sin and that God says to me, sorry, you just, I just run out of grace for you. I just run out of mercy for you. Yeah, that's it. You've kind of gone the 70 times 7 thing and you've got 490, whatever it is, times you've sinned. And, uh, no, God never says that. His grace is ever increasing. He wants to be extended towards us. His mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness, his love, it's ever increasing. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's not every year. It's not every, you know, decade. No, every day. Because our bodies run in a cycle of 24 hours. And he knew that we'd need, as much as we need food every 24 hours and, and sustenance and water, we, we need his grace, his mercy every day, his new every morning. Isn't that a God that wants to increase our lives? Um, what an incredible God. God's, God's thoughts, if this wasn't enough, 
God's thoughts about you are ever increasing. It says in Luke 12, 24, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which, they, which have never... Uh, sorry, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them, of how much more value are you than the birds? So God looks at you and says, valuable. Every one of us this morning, more valuable than anything he created on the earth. And when I value something personally, I try to make it better, don't you? If I value something, I'll care for it. I'll look after it. There's some things, if there's some things of value to me, my marriage is valuable. I, I want to look after that. I want to care for that. And you know what? I've discovered the more you do, the better it gets. I think Michelle and my relationship is better than it's ever been. Not that it was bad at the start. I'm just saying it seems to be getting better. Better. Because we, you know, I, I, you know, we value things. Maybe you should value your body. No, no, that, that can seem a bit like an oxymoron because our body is deteriorating, isn't it? It's getting older. It's sinking from our chest into our drawers, isn't it? It's doing all of that. But you know, when God talks about you, he's talking about what can be renewed day by day, what can be changed from glory to glory is this inner person. That can be the thing. It can be renewed. We can die young, folks. You ever heard that? You could die young. There's some people in here who are pretty old, but I think they're pretty young. You know why? Because they've just got the, glory. They've got the goodness of God on the inside of them, ever-increasing. I've seen some young people who are pretty old. They haven't got the goodness of God. They've got the goodness of the world destroying them. It's all, you know, I've seen some old people that are pretty old. I've seen some young people. You know, you know what I'm saying. I got the point. So, you know, the reality is it's God says, you know, about you, you're valuable. He says, you're valuable. I want to bring increase into your lives. So, you know, uh, as much as we value things, God values us even more than the animals. Praise God. So, you know, animals aren't important to us. No matter how much evolution says they are, we didn't come from a tree. Uncle didn't swing around and, and branch to branch, praise God. <laughs> oh God, we crawled out. We didn't, you know, so we've been created with a divine purpose, as Andrew was saying this morning. You know, I love this verse, just the last verse, quick one. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hey, who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? God, God doesn't have to look up in his file on his computer saying, just wait a second, just wait a second, you know, um, can I find the name? Joel Frost, where is he? Where is he? No, 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 he's got Joel's future mapped out in his mind because he thinks about him all the time. Isn't that incredible? About you as well, about me. He's thinking about ways to bring a future and a hope. That's an ever-increasing God that we serve. I know the physical body is just going to rot away one day. Um, but, you know, the inner person can be renewed. What an incredible God. So here's an interesting question I want to ask you this morning. Interesting, because it really is uh, the way that it will determine the way we live life. Um, how does an increasing life happen? How does an increasing life happen? Can we just look at a couple things this morning? Because God obviously wants to bless and see our world move forward. I want to even say that um, the things like landing on the moon, I think they were inspired by God in the hearts of men and women. Hey? 
Yeah, those type of things. I, I think there was, there was a lot of Christians involved in that. You know, and I'm not saying that you know, it was Christians in the end who did. I'm just saying that I think God inspires man's heart and wants to see increase. And who knows what can happen in the future, um, whether I'll be around or not to see it. But, you know, God's an inspiring uh, God of increase. He's on, the, he's on the, all the time. He's not on the take. He's on the, he's on the side of giving. He wants to increase. He doesn't want to take from you. He wants to you add to your life. What do you think? You are happy with that? Yeah. See, how does, how does an ever-increasing life happen? I've discovered something. In, increase in our lives is not automatic. If it was automatic, everybody on the world would be living at the ultimate and, and optimum level of uh, you know, um, happiness and joy and success. And You know what I'm saying? But the, it's not. Increase is not automatic. Increase must be activated. You've got to activate it in your life. See, God, God doesn't just pour out, but God pulls out when he sees a, someone who's willing to make room for him to be, you know, to be poured out into. We've got to make room for God, don't we, in our lives? We've got to sometimes push out all the other stuff that wants to crowd our minds, that wants to take us in a downward spiral, because he wants to pour in what will take us in an upward spiral of increase. So increase is not automatic. It must be activated. It begins often with what we call the seed. You can appreciate that. It's just a seed. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast your bread upon the waters. For you'll find it after many days. And the word cast means to send. It means to let go of or to send away. And then the word bread literally does mean seed. And so this whole verse, the promise is what you send away, you'll find one day. And when you sow, you activate. Excuse me, you activate. What happens when you get seed and you get one little seed and a bit of water and a, a bit of moisture, a bit of earth and a bit of sunlight? It starts to break through that outer shell. It forms a little plant. It starts to grow, doesn't it? You, you know the picture. And whatever that plant may be, it's amazing. You, have a, you, know, you maybe have an apple tree grows out of it. Isn't it incredible? From one seed comes many apples. Isn't that amazing? It multiplies. See, that's why we call this... Um, thing to seed. There's a lot of seeds in your life and they're not all the same, but you've got to activate them. You've got a pockets full actually, but you've just got to put your hands in there and start to spread it. You see, you can, you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. So it, it's a multiplying. You've got to activate the seeds. Um, there was a young guy named Paul and he pulled up on the sidewalk with his brand new car and there was a young, another young man there just sitting in the gutter who was homeless and he said to Paul, he said, Paul, uh, where did you get that new car? That's incredible. And Paul said, my brother, my big brother gave me this car. And uh, Paul was really excited. And, and the young man who was homeless got excited and said, you know, you know what, bro? Um, I'd, li I'd like to be, I wish I could be a brother like that. And Paul says, yeah, oh, I understand you'd want a new car. You, uh, I appreciate that you want to... No, no, no. The, the homeless young man said, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to be the one who receives. I want to be the brother who would have enough to be able to give my brother a new car. And I think there's a difference between consuming your seed and activating your seed. To think, I, I want more so I could be an activator of more. 
I, want, I, don't want to, I just don't want to be the one who receives. I want to receive so I can actually bless and encourage and be an activator and provide for others. And, and, and it all starts when you just sow it. So my mentality in life, in our lives, has got to be, am I a consumer? Because sometimes the seed you receive, you can make it into bread to feed yourself. I appreciate that some of your seed needs to be um, consumed. But we've got to put seed aside so that we activate it so that we can have more bread for the future we can give out. You know, it's a process, isn't it? So, so what are you this morning, a con- purely a consumer or, pu- or, or a consumer but an activator of your seed? See... Um, Matthew says this in, in Matthew in the Bible in the New Testament the first book of the New Testament part of the Bible says this asking you shall we what receive we haven't got it up on the scripture but I'm just quickly going to go through these see some seed is activated by actually prayer asking God see you've got a whole lot of prayers you've never asked God about maybe and you need to see them as seed you need to pull them out of your pocket and say God here's this seed can I just lay it before you today? I ask, I, I just bring it and present it to you. Sometimes we assume that God will know our hearts. He does know your hearts, but he wants to hear, he wants to hear you activate your seed of prayer. Sometimes it, Paul says to the Thessalonians, give thanks in everything. And then he says later on, rejoice always and, of course, pray without ceasing. See, some seed is activated by what comes out of your mouth in difficult times. Giving thanks is it? incredible seed that you activate God then to be able to work on your behalf and do something powerful. That's what praise is. Praise is a seed of activation. You say, God, I'm just going to praise you. Sometimes this Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. It, don't see it just as a, a words or a song, but see it as a seed that can activate something on your behalf in the situation that you're facing, but you're just praising and trusting God anyway. See what he can do. That's what worship is. Worship is a seed of activation. We worship God. And you know, where the, where the, you know what gets activated? Something within us gets changed. From anxiety to peace. From hatred to forgiveness. Something, see, it's a seed. Worship is a seed. Seed of activation unto our God. We've got to see it. We've got to believe it. See, the... Um, so we've got to see, seed is activated by what comes out sometimes of your mouth. That's why you've got to guard your mouth, because it's a seed. You don't want bad seeds to come out of your mouth. I had some bad seeds come out of my mouth, and you say something negative, or you say something, you know, or, or you just, you know, you get grumbly or whatever. It doesn't help, does it? I was going through last week, not this week, and, and I woke up and I thought, and you know, you wake up and you start to think about the day, oh, this and this, I've got to do this. And I'm thinking, oh, man, back to back and back, I've got all these appointments, and I'm oh, starting to think. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I, I had this wonderful thought, you know, the Bible actually, is it wonderful when you actually read the Bible? And, and the Bible actually said, give thanks. I was all, that's, that's, oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> that's, that's novel. No, it's not. So, you know, isn't it silly? You've been a Christian so long, and you just forget the basics. And so I just, for a moment in that morning before breakfast, started to say, Oh, God, I just thank you for this day. I just thank you for this and this and this, and this is what's going to happen. I just thank you. God, I just thank you. You know what? I went into today seeing those appointments and those situations so differently. And I thought, how, how stupid can you be and forget the simple principle of giving thanks? Well, obviously, I did. For a moment. It's a seed. 
It's a seed of activation. Um, all these instructions that the New Testament writers give are as seeds to activate, to activate instructions to activate your seed. Jesus himself, or sorry, James, sorry, not Jesus. James said this in his book, this little book James wrote. He said, faith without works is dead. And while we see there's some interesting things here, it's true. Faith without works. Faith without works is dead. James had it pretty good because there was a day that Jesus came to a blind man and uh, he'd been blind for a while and uh, he wanted this blind man, he could have just healed this man, his blindness, just like that. But he wanted to activate some faith in his heart. He, had a, he wanted to activate some seeds. He wanted him to do it. So Jesus spat on the ground, made some uh, mud out of the dirt, put it on his eyes and said, you know, go to the pool of Shalom and wash it off and, you know, you'll come back seeing. And so this, if you look at it geographically, where Jesus touched him and where the pool of Shalom is, it is over a kilometer's walk. So whether someone led him, the Bible doesn't give us insight into that. Or maybe he just walked. Or maybe he just went through the crowded streets of Jerusalem saying, pool of Shalom, where is it? And people kept on saying, this way, this way. And he, he just walked. I tell you what, he was, he had a, Jesus gave him an opportunity to activate his own healing through the seeds of faith. And every step he took, it was like another seed that was being burst. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. It was a, it was a, he was, he was, see, Jesus could have healed him on the spot, but he didn't. He said, come on, I want you to activate your faith. Activate those seeds of faith and go to the pool of Shalom. I reckon when he finally got to the pool of Shalom, he just didn't go, oh. No, he, he, would, have, he would have put his whole head in the pool. And, you know, it would have been he'd come up with his hair flinging back and, you know, and you can imagine the scene and he can see. And, you know, amazing. He saw for quite a long time and he ran back to the place where Jesus was, maybe. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. But, you know, I'm just thinking, this guy, if you've been blind for a while, you wouldn't kind of, and you're thinking, Jesus says go to the pool, you wouldn't kind of go, oh, yeah. No, man, you, you try and get there as quick as you can. And you, who knows? He might have jumped into the pool of Shalom and he came up seeing. What an incredible thing. Because the seed, every step was a seed, an activation of his faith. And it was just in seed form, but it was going to come to fruition. You've got to see your faith is, is that Jesus had great compassion on people. And he healed people because of compassion. But there was another thing. He healed people a lot of the time. He says, it's because of your faith that you're healed. It's not that he didn't love them or have compassion and see the need, but it was often because of their faith, seeds of faith. It can be very small seeds, but they just Jesus can use that. Got to do something. I remember I was, I was preparing a, my message many, quite a few years ago, and um, Michelle had gone out with the other two, our other two daughters, and one daughter was at home and she was, had a fever. And she wasn't well, and um, so I moved my little laptop out into the dining room table, and she sat on the, laid on the sofa there. It was about two meters away, and she had a temperature, and she just lay there listless. And, you know, as a dad, you feel for your daughter. And so I'm, you know, man of faith. All of a sudden, I had this prompting, go and pray for her. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I walked over to her, and with a... A father's heart, I just said in the name of Jesus, I laid hand on us in the name of Jesus. I just rebuked this fever and I asked Jesus, you heal it. Jesus, just heal it. Take away this fever and whatever the cause. Bang, went back to my computer. She's, no, no improvement. 
I'm still, you know, typing away on my computer. Half an hour later, I get another prompting in my heart. Go and pray again. I said, Lord, I prayed before. I'm believing by faith. He says, no, come on, activate. You know, well, he didn't say it, but it, it, it's an interpretation now I have. Activate your seat. So I go over. Okay. Lay hands on. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal. Heal her, Jesus. Take away this, this temperature, whatever is the cause of it. Heal her body. Went back to the computer. An hour later, I'm typing again. I get this prompting. Go and pray again. I, three times? Okay, I walk back to her. I pray again. You know, and this is about five o'clock at night now. And I pray again. I lay hands. I said, Father, you know, Jesus sometimes does it in threes. I don't know. It, it, look, I'm not, healing doesn't always happen this way. It did for me this day, okay? Is that cool? So I lay hands on her. I say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you heal her. Take this temperature away. I went back to the computer within half an hour. She's drinking water. She's smiling. She's getting up off the couch. I said, Father, what's happened here? What has happened? He says, it's just, it's just a seed of faith. All I need is your, I need your obedience to me. You know, obedience is sometimes where we need to go with our faith. Just be obedient. And it generates a seed of faith. Within. I didn't have anything to start with, but it generated a seed of faith. And I just, you know, laid hands and went back. And, I, and then, you know, usually when a child has got a temperature in the, going into the afternoon and night hours is when it really kind of gets worse. That's been my experience. But not this time. She, by six o'clock, she was up and about. She was happening. I thought, Father, thank you. And God was not doing, you know, it's interesting. God will touch and love someone and touch their body and heal them, but he does something in your heart about how he operates. So uh, what can you do different to activate and increase your, 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 uh, your, bring increase in your life? See, it's not chance, folks. It's not, it's not chance that determines your seed activation. It's your choice. It's your obedience. It's not just some chance. Oh, well, you know, God will do it when he does it. No, no, no. Why don't you prompt him? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you praise him? Why don't you give him thanks? Why don't you ask for forgiveness? Activate a seed and watch what God can do. Why don't you step out and pray for someone? Why don't you just share, as, as Steve was saying this morning, why don't you just share with that person who keeps on, you know, in your, in your workplace and just say, hey, have you ever thought of, 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 uh, have you ever thought of uh, Jesus? I don't know how you could start the conversation. But the conversations start, don't they? I was at the airport the other day, and I'm just, um, this is a couple of weeks ago, I had to in and out of Brisbane for a, a pastor's meeting, and I'm standing at the airport wanting to catch a bus, you know, to the DFO, and there's a sign there that says um, gate five or something, it said gate, and this gentleman, I was telling, um, say a prayer meeting on Tuesday, this gentleman walked up to me, and he was pretty rough looking, and, and uh, a bit of a bikey, I suppose, but anyway, before I know it, he, he says this to me, this voice from behind me. Pearly gates, don't believe in the pearly gates. It's just one word on a sign and he decides to talk to me about heaven. It's just got gate five or something, you know. And so I say, well, why? You know, he says, well, pearly gates, who'd believe in that stuff? I said, I know some people have gone to heaven. That's rubbish. And they've come back. That's rubbish. I said, well, I don't know. I said, where are you going? So I thought, you know, I'm not going to argue with the dude. I said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to New Zealand. I'm going to go and plant in my garden. So I thought, I know what you're going to plant. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to my little farm in New Zealand and I'll be right. <laughs> now, anyway, I, just, I thought, you know, I'll just engage him. And what I did was just sort to love him because he just wanted to argue with anybody. I thought, who 
is a guy that looks at a word on a, on a sign gates and thinks, of, this is a guy under conviction, isn't it? It's a guy the Holy Spirit's working on. You know, I engaged him in that conversation for a while until you know, everything he rebutted. And I said, hey, have a great day. He, says, and he kind of smiled at me and walked away and he was okay about it. You know? I thought, praise God. Just don't even have to try. People come and want to be told about Jesus. <laughs> anyway, this is the first point. Next two won't be so long. Um, so what do we do? We, it doesn't seed activation doesn't happen automatically. You've got to activate it. Second thing I want to encourage us: seed begins small and multiplies. Our seeds of they begin small. They, see, the law of increase is in the seed. The power in the seed is only small, but there's. It, you get the picture. It multiplies. It's just one seed, but its potential is incredible. You just got to plant it and it begins small. The mustard seed in the Bible was the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows into a tree bigger than enough for birds to nest in. Um, there was a gentleman called Job in the Bible, Old Testament. You know, Job, he was the guy who had a lot. He had camels and donkeys and um, you know, he had many children. He had much land. He had everything he needed. It was taken away from him in a short space of time. In actual fact, the only thing he didn't lose was his wife. And he himself, his body was covered in boils. And then he had some friends come along. And, they, you know, they, they were encouraging, but they were a bit discouraging at the same time. But in Job 8, 7, there's one thing his friends did say that was very positive and powerful. And in the end, this is what it said. Though your beginning was small... Yet your latter end would increase abundantly. And Job went from losing everything in actually his latter life, in the last years of his life, he had more than he had at the, that he lost. Amazingly, his life was turned around. Isn't it amazing? Our times are in God's hands, aren't they? We trust him. And it wasn't like Job needed everything. It's just that God was showing an incredible, powerful principle of increase. And yet his beginning was small. And yet in the end, his latter years were increasingly abundant. That's exactly what happened to Job. Amazing, isn't it? And you know that God wants to do that in our lives. I'm not just talking about material things. I really, to be honest, personally, I don't really want for anything material. <laughs> I just want to have more of what God's got for me already here. Now, I know that for some of you, there are some things you would like. That's cool. Believe for them, but you know, you've got to sow to receive, as Malcolm shared this morning. There's a guy called Joseph. He was the second youngest son of Jacob in the Old Testament part of the Bible. He was just the brother that 10 other brothers hated. How would you be in a family? You've got 10 other brothers. They don't want to buy you a car. They want to kill you. That's a great family, isn't it? They want to kill you. So he was hated. Thankfully, he was sold into slavery and not killed. And he was just a servant. He was just a servant in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Yet he became the head servant. And then he was misjustly accused. And he was just a prisoner in jail. But he became the head prisoner. He became, he was just nobody. But he just those little beginnings. And he became second in charge to Pharaoh himself in all of Egypt. And saved, and it saved a nation from, two nations from starvation. Incredible history. All his life, Joseph sowed his life into what was before him. His life was only small in the scheme of things, but whatever he put his hand to, God multiplied it. You just got to realize, you might think, well, it just seems so small at the moment. Well, folks, just keep doing the right thing. Just keep swimming. You know what I'm saying. Just keep 
Just, and you'll find that God can take that. It starts small, and you're amazed how big it can get. You might say, well, I'm getting on in years. God has no perspective. He doesn't care about time. Okay, He can do things very quickly when he wants to do things. He's a God that wants to bring that what he wants to bring. So we've just got to realize that sometimes it seems so small, it seems so insignificant, just do that and just watch what God can do. It starts small. I remember as a young man, married, three little girls, one little wage, and yet God, I was just faithful in giving tithes and offerings. Just out, we just go, we just go. Isn't it amazing what God can do over years and yet, you know, I haven't changed jobs. It's amazing. Amazing. That's talking about finances, but other things as well. God just do the little things well. It's all so small. And you know, as, as you know, much increase, much is then required. You know, I find that if I get an increase, I have an opportunity to give out more. And you grow in that. Sometimes, you know, when you're young and, and, you, and you get a hundred bucks as a wage for that week, I know that's it's just an example, and you give ten dollars and you feel like you're losing the world. And then you get, when you're old and you get a thousand bucks, and then you're given a hundred dollars, you know, you've grown in faith and it's not a big issue. In actual fact, you are, give 200, it's not an issue. And then you find you get two thousand dollars for a wage, which is not beyond some of us, I'm sure, what wages, and you think, oh, I get 200, that's not enough, get three. You know what I'm saying? You grow in faith, you start small, but God tests you, and you found God faithful way back here with it when you gave the ten dollars, and you know what? You'll find him faithful when you're given the thousand dollars. It's just that you've grown. God knew all along you were capable of it, but you've grown. It started small, but it grows within your heart. It, and uh, here's the thing, last thing. Increase always brings some chance of a challenge. Increase will always bring some chance of a challenge in your life. Proverbs 14.4, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Culturally speaking, an ox was an animal. They put a yoke on the animal's neck and he plowed the fields that you planted the seed into, that grew the crop, that produced the seeds for the next crop for next year. So an ox, much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Okay, understand that? So if you, the truth is, but when you have the increase of an ox, you have the increase of mess. So when you want increase, realize that it takes sometimes the pain of discipline the, the ability to count the cost, the ability to take up the cross and walk for Jesus. It doesn't mean there can't be joy in all of that. It just means that you've got to appreciate that there's sometimes some mess involved and you're not to get discouraged when the mess comes along and the ox poops in your trough and the ox does all that he has to do and you've got to clean it up every day. And you know what? If you didn't have the ox, you wouldn't have the increase. So we've got to, if we bring that across, sometimes we've got to push through because, you know, sometimes there's that, you've got to get rid of the mess and it's hard to get rid of the mess sometimes. But without the mess, we would never have increase. Sometimes the mess can be, I've got to get rid of those attitudes I have. I've got to get rid of that unforgiveness. Well, that's hard. That's difficult. That's painful. So you've got some mess. We all have our own messy little pile to deal with. But unless we push through it and say, Father, I give it to you. I'm not going to run away from this. I'm not going to run the other direction and ignore my problem. Now I'm going to press through because you know if you press through, there's going to be an increase of joy and hope in the future. 
when you give over that and forgive and when you deal with that attitude that you've got to deal with or you've got to deal with that circumstance. Do you know what I'm saying? See, you know, the ox, when he's in the stall, he smells. It takes work to clean it up. We like the comfort of not having to clean up the mess. And sometimes I've discovered it's out of comfort that we walk away because we just want things to be comfortable. I just want things to be okay. I don't want the mess. I, don't, I can be like that. But folks, if we're going to press through, you've got you to invite the ox in and you've got to look after him and let him make the mess so you can deal with it so then you can take him out and you can see the increase. I tell you, you've got to deal with the, the rubbish, hey, to get the increase. Amen. Jesus actually said this, if anyone desires... If anyone, any, does anyone include anyone? Isn't, aren't you glad that God is so inclusive and not exclusive? If anyone comes, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Got to take the cross. We can be so comfortable in our lifestyles. You know the biggest, the biggest roadblock to pushing through faith? You know, to seeing breakthrough faith? I don't think it's doubt so much, folks. Sometimes I think it's just comfort. You know, we don't have doubt for what God can do. It's just that I, we pull back from stepping out in faith because, oh, that's going to take some hard stuff. And we just like the comfort zone. Now, you know, I like comfortable. But, you know, God said take up our cross and not our 64-inch television and lounge chair, you know. There's times when you'll enjoy the 64-inch um, you know, television and lounge chair. But basically, it's a cross. He didn't ask you to, you know, are you willing to give up the 64-inch television and lounge chair to take up the cross? If it came between the cross and the lounge chair, what would you do? See, sometimes I know that personally, I've pulled back and sat in the lounge chair, say, oh, that's, Jesus, surely you're going to be with me in the lounge. He's not going to stop loving you, folks. It's just that he asks you to take up the cross, and you're going to miss an opportunity of increase if you sit back in the lounge chair too long. Because there's a cross. You say, oh, this Christianity is supposed to be wonderful and exciting. Of course it is. But folks, it, it, but you know, I tell you what, there's, there's nothing like, you know, if, if Christianity was all just a bed of roses in reality, you know, there wouldn't be anything worth living for. What do you think Iranian Christians are pulling out from the Muslim faith? It's because of one word, persecution. Do you know persecution promotes a, 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 a revival of hearts towards Jesus all the time. They're willing to count the cost. They're saying, you know what? This Christianity is a win-win. If I live, I'll share Jesus. If I die, I go to heaven. Man, I'll have that. Muslim faith, if I die, who knows where I go? I don't want to hunt 40 virgins anyway. You know, um, you know and, if I, and if I live, I've got no joy in living this Muslim thing. I'm going to receive Jesus. Amen. You cool? Are you there? Okay. We can be so comfortable that our lifestyle never, never step beyond the point of obedience. We never step beyond it. I want to encourage us. Come on. It's going to have some challenges. Paul said, I press on for the prize to the Philippian church. He also said, I reach forward to those things which I had. You ever reach forward to something and you feel the muscle strain? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Let's sit back in the lounge chair. No, no, no. Reach forward. The Christian faith is about... And then, and then Paul says, fight the good fight. Just wait a second. 
What happened to the what happened to lay down and enjoy life? You know, fight the good fight so I may lay hold of eternal life. Folks, if you're gonna be, if this is worth fighting for, come on, stand up and fight for it. Amen. Have you ever have you ever uh, the dandelion? You ever seen a little dandelion? You ever seen those little dandelions? They're just a little some people call them weeds. Most of them would call it weeds. And they grow out of the ground, a little stalk and a little yellow, little yellow flower on top. In actual fact, every petal of that yellow flower is a flower in its own right. Did you know that? It's just a, this, this beautiful little flower with yellow petals, which are flowers in their own right. And, you know, it, it springs up and it only stays for so many days or weeks. But, you know, um, the interesting thing about it is that Denny line you, you know, expresses everything that I've just said this morning. Because, you know, the reality is, increase is not automatic. Because that little dandelion, after a while, will just, it'll, before it dies and withers, it, it, it forms this little fluff ball of seeds. Who knows? It's the ones when you were a kid that you used to pick them up and blow them, and all the little seeds would fly everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or the wind takes the seed of it and just blows it everywhere. See, the dandelion knows something. You've got to activate your seed if it's ever going to spread. You can't just stay there and just, you know, be your own little lonesome dandelion and all the seeds just, you keep them to yourself. No, it knows it's got to give them away. In actual fact, it's willing to die to give its seeds away. Wow. It's willing to die to activate because it knows it can't happen automatically. It must be activated. And so sometimes it's got to produce these little petals that have got to drop off and all these beautiful little seeds, fluffy little balls, and the wind has got to pick it up and take it. The second thing is the dandelion increases. It's only small, but it can multiply. See, I, I used to go to my father-in-law's place in Sandgate Road. In his front yard, he'd have one dandelion but you could get, I, I, you know, I'd mow the lawn and maybe within the next month I came back, he'd have a hundred dandelions. You can never just have one. You think you've got one in your lawn, you've got a hundred there already. That's the truth about dandelions. They, their little seeds are in that lawn somewhere and they're, and they're trying to take root and before you know it, you mow them and bang, look out. You'll have a whole little front lawn. Of, who's ever had a lawn of dandelions? I, Okay, a couple of us. You can appreciate it. So dandelions, they're only small, but they multiply. And here's the last thing. Increase always brings problems. Because I used to get that lawnmower, and I'd mow them down, thinking that's the end of the dandelions. Come back next month, and they grow more. Isn't it amazing? The pressure of problems produces more. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. More of his increase, more of his love, more of his mercy, more of his grace, more of his hope, more of his help, more of the future. Can we stand this morning? And we're going to finish with a beautiful song. And the team are going to come. Oh, amen. God wants to bring increase. Increase in our hearts and lives, in our being. He wants to challenge you this morning. He said, come on, this is worth it. This is worth it. Can we just close our eyes for a moment this morning, church? Just give everybody just a moment, not a long time, just a moment. If you're here today and you, you see... 
So you might have a belief in God, but you've never, maybe you're here and you're just starting this whole journey and you're just coming to some understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you know, the Bible talks about salvation. I want to tell you, it says to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the beginning point of receiving Jesus into your life. And, and I believe there's a seed in your heart this morning. If you would just allow it to, to be watered, you'll find that God will do something incredible in and through your life. But the first step is actually receiving and believing in Him. And believing in Jesus Christ and receiving. And I'd love the opportunity today to just pray with you a prayer of what I call, what we call commitment to Jesus and saying yes to Jesus. For you, maybe today will be the first time. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Just where you stand. Maybe for you, maybe it's again. You need to do it again. You need to come and say yes to Jesus again this morning and put him first in your life. Because maybe he's been second best or third best, but he needs to be best. Because he wants to help your life and take you and strengthen you. He doesn't take you off and out of the issues, but he'll take you through them. He'll help you through them. So this morning, if you're here, and I'd love you to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Is there anybody else this morning? Just another person. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? I see the hand and put it down. Anybody else this morning? Just a moment in time to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Anybody else? Okay, because you know sometimes we, 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 as people just continually, you know, keep God, God at arm's length, but you know He wants to draw near. He wants to draw near. Anybody else? I just give one more opportunity. Holy Spirit, just working hearts, just prompting people, saying, "Come on, come on." Okay, let's pray this prayer. With my dear brother, for one person who's praising here, let's just pray. Can we do it together, church? I just ask you to repeat it, brother. That'd be good, just as I pray. How about we pray? Make it your own prayer. That'd be the best. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I thank you that you've sent Jesus Christ to show me what you're like. And you extend your hands of forgiveness. In mercy towards me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died, that you rose again, and you can forgive my sin. I receive you into my life. Help me, Lord, to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person, maybe more than one today in their heart done that, but I just pray that you'll continue to draw people to yourself. Lord, this, it, it's, it may be a beginning point, it may be another point that we're doing it again, but it's, it's significant to you, Father, when we open our hearts to you. And I thank you today. We praise you for that. Father, we, we thank you. Come on, how about we just close with this song and we rejoice together. Come on.